Hello and welcome to the Act Natural podcast. I am Brian. I am Heather. And today we've got two great guests, uh, Dakota Kraut and Dennis Vanderkirken. Did I get your name right, Dennis? That's good enough. This is what okay. um, And we're having these fine gentlemen on because um, of a book series that they uh, co-wrote together called The Arturian Archives. Um, if I remember correctly, Dakota, it's a spinoff from your Divine Dungeon series, which is a literary RPG series. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, so that one is a, uh, it's, it's a cultivation series specifically. Oh, cultivation. Um, okay. Yes. So, um, and just a, a little background on that is what that actually means is, um, it's kind of a, that particular one is a blend of Eastern and Western philosophies of being able to take in, uh, energy from the world around you and use it to, empower yourself, um, both mentally and physically to grow stronger. Um, and so you, you get that through experiences, you get that through just sitting and meditating, so on and so forth. So, okay. And and so this is a fictional series. Yes. Yes. Um, Very much so. Okay. And then the co-authored series is called Arturian archives and that's a spinoff of it. Um, and Dennis, you were seminal in writing this as well. Is that right? I wrote most of it. Yes. Okay. Dakota is (laughs) instrumental in making it work. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how much who did what, but mm. that's okay. That's what partnerships are all about. And that's right. Everyone awesome. did a lot of work. That's, that's this what is it true. comes down to. <laughs> so um, this came on my radar because I'm a big old nerd and I love um, cultivation series, literary RPGs, that sort of style of, uh, of reading. And it's, it's a way to help me just kind of relax and as I was um, listening to the first book of Artorian Archives, I'm just going to let you guys know my impressions that came to me. Um, first off, um, my alter ego uh, I- online is called the Bearded Behaviorist, and I'm and I'm advocating for trauma informed care and in, in applied behavior analysis and in behaviorism, but in all human services. And so I, I like to showcase um, what a what being a good teacher and a good human looks like. And I was literally tearing up that first fourth to third of the book because I was thinking to myself, this is who I want to be. If I grow up, I want to be our Tori. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, if. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad outlook. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was very careful on my choosing of those words, but, um, and then, when the tragedy that happened, and I'm not going to spoil, folks. I mm-hmm. promise I will do my darndest not because this is a worthy series to read. Um, but when the tragedy happened and that, that primary character faced the tragedy, I started doing the Wallace and Grummet handshake thing and being super excited because I was seeing what I know of as acceptance and commitment therapy or training in practice with that character who was facing um, something very traumatizing that happened, something that was very devastating and coming out stronger. Um, so. And though it's only a character, these principles are very applicable mm-hmm. and I think it's important to mention the role that stories play Mm. in how we absorb information and lessons as human beings. And 
say there's quite a bit of research for multiple fields of of psychology and anthropology and and um all that other good stuff about the importance of stories so that that was very exciting to me and when i decided to do this podcast and i thought about that book series i was thinking to myself i want to ask you guys some questions so first what inspired you to make the the primary protagonist in this series an old man at the end of his life well, I have a joke answer and I have a serious answer. Well, let's go joke. I, I, I want both. I'm a-, <laughs> uh, so, a joke answer first. So Dakota writes this lovely, amazing, sweet series called The Divine Dungeon Universe. The first five books, Divine Dungeon. And I'm reading it. It's great. And I can't stop. I'm listening to the audiobook. And I get to book two, three, and my fingers just start Sticking. touching their tips again. Like, <laughs> one moment. There is a, there is a, there is a small, there is a, there is a small. I have <laughs> concerns. <laughs> so I talked to one of my friends and go, I, sh- I, I really want to talk to this author, Dakota. This, he sounds great. I love his books, but I found a few things. And she says, yeah, go for it. So I do. And I believe for about two hours when Dakota was sweet enough to talk to me, I took his books, ripped the entrails from them, <laughs> pinned them to the wall, and went, this is lovely, this could be better, and we can fix this like that, if thou so choosest. And he looks at me and says, would you like to write a book? Exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, like, I, um, I... He texted and he said, hey, um, I am a fan. I've read your books. My friend told me to reach out. Uh, Would you be open to a call? And I said, you know what? Sure. I'm having coffee right now. I'm on a little break. Let's 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 have a 10 minute call. Sure. (laughs) Three hours later, really, is what it was. Um, I, I think we were yelling if it was Descartes or Nietzsche, who was the primary progenitor of this theory. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and and, and um, I said, hey, man, like you are really on top of this. You really know your stuff and you obviously care a lot about the series. Would you like have you considered writing? And he said he had considered it, but he wasn't planning on doing it. Um, I think it took I think it was about six months from there where. Um, I said, hey, man, let's be serious. Do you want to write a book with me? Do you want to write a, a, a series? And he says, sure. And uh, he picked, he picked a, the character that he had designed for my, my uh, series in the first place because I was still writing at the time that series. Uh-huh. And I said, turn him into a full series. And he said, oh, I can do that. And I said, cool. Well, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks about the first book. And Dennis <laughs> said, oh, my Lord. He heard, oh, my Lord. He thinks in two weeks I'm going to have a book ready for him. So two weeks later, I get him on the phone. And I'm like, hey, man, all right, so let's start working on that outline. And he goes, oh, uh, here's the first book. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that really happened. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Three Bravo. weeks is probably more accurate, but that's about how it went. <laughs> uh, because when I heard him say three weeks, I thought he meant, oh, we'll have a draft done in three weeks. And I'm like, 
is that the speed people are supposed to ride it? All right. I've done dissertations. I know how this works. I know everything I need to. I looked Hard at Dakota series and went, okay, in order, so the serious answer, in serious order answer. to properly write in the Divine Dungeon series, I need a character that is knowledgeable, that can explain things, and that you look at and go, all right, I might have tea with that guy. So when I originally made Artorian, it was for uh, Dakota's submission process, because in the books, we were getting to the point where the Academy was starting up on Mountaindale. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, I always wanted to teach. I never got to. Why don't I just make a lovely old guy with a big beard and a mischief sense of fun? And, and we'll just ball him up and, and throw him in there. <clears throat> And when the options came for the Ascension track, I went, mm, well, based off everything I've read in your books, the one that works most is the one where I couldn't get past the page. And that was when Dakota had his little description of the love law. Mm. I flipped it, I flipped back, I flipped it, I flipped back, I flipped it, I closed the book, and I went, no, it's that one. Okay. And he approved it. And I went, okay. So I went looking through my philosophy books and I went, all right, so I have this lovely old man who is going to do explaining things. <laughs> I am going to give you his life, his experiences, and the things he is going through while the Divine Dungeon universe is going on. What is his basis? And I reached into my shelf and I pulled out Mengzi, which is a Chinese Asian philosopher. Uh, Chinese might be wrong, but... <laughs> and Mengzi is I'll forgive a, you. If you're so, Mongza is called Mencius in English. Same person. And he believes that all people are, are derived from a sense of goodness in the world. That the initial spark inkling of a human being is to be good. As example, he has the child falling in the well example. If you see a child fall into the well, your first reaction, regardless of who you are or what your occupation is, is to go, oh no, and go help. And when he did this in practice by other means and methods, you know, he didn't actually push a child on the well. That is not the <laughs> Yeah, good to he know. Went, yes, this is what happens. And with repeated observations, he went, yes, this is what people are like. And from this, he built out his philosophy of, if people are innately good, we can cultivate this good and apply it to everything. And he had some ideas on how the good grows and how you develop it. But essentially, I got the basis from Mongsa. Okay. But because I needed him to, you know, do things, because this is a fun cultivation book where you want some action, I threw in a little bit extra. <laughs> the, the art of war. Beautiful. <laughs> so, I have a signed copy. <laughs> That's my Who signed it, though? <laughs> no, right. from, from the Zhao Empire. <laughs> oh, randomly, while, while my thought is on it, uh, it was Descartes. And it was the mind-body problem. It was not Nietzsche. Throwback. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll talk later. <laughs> I start giving you Artorian in book one before mm-hmm. he has any power. Just an old man, just his experiences, just the life he has led up until that point, most of which is a secret. So when you meet him in the village, he is just, these are my people. These are my children. I am probably going to end it here so i will give my all to these children and these children are my life 
And then when things go awry and he has to step up to the plate, he goes, well, I was planning on just calling it Kenny, but I promised I would be there for them. So he looks around and he goes, well, I have this long beard to mischievously stroke (laughs) and I have these options that are coming to me. And I would not be an interesting main character if I didn't muck things up for a few people. (laughs) So he does, as you have read. Uh, Now I'm going to ask for a slight spoiler. Where are you in the series? Um, I am... Heather has not read it at Yeah, all. I was going to say, I was going <clears> to <throat> give a disclaimer at the beginning, but... Yeah. And I am um, on uh, Axiom? No, no, that's not it. My bad. Um, Acme. I just started Acme yesterday, actually. Cause that is the latest I, one. I hope you like it. Yes, I'm, I'm already enjoying it quite a bit. Um, all right, so avoid spoilers for the better half. Understood. Oh, okay. <laughs> And as he progresses, while he gains the ability to do more things, it is not for him. It is for them. So um, at this point, I want to jump in. And in in ACT, there's something called the ACT Hexaflex, which is just another way of saying six-sided object, um, where there's different things that if you master those skills, um, then we see that psychological strength and flexibility comes from it. And one of those core things in ACT is values. Um, And that's something that stuck out to me from the very beginning with Arturian, is that his values were always there. And even when his goals were completely and totally scuttled he was still moving towards his values when he was hoping to have something done by this point in time instead of collapsing and and bemoaning his fate he would instead go okay that happened but i'm still going to move towards my values and the scene when he's reunited with his sons You son of a gun, you made me blubber for a full 30 minutes <laughs> when he was writing to his sons, because in that scene, he could have done what so many people do, which is focus on the wrong things. But he focused on his values and been doing that. Not only did he maintain his strength, but he acted as a catalyst for healing for his sons, which that just that one point right there that's the only thing i tell you about from act and in relation to these books but there's but you hit all of them and it's beautiful and i love, I love it. it so thank this you <laughs> i will awesome. also have you know every book so far has made a whole bunch of people just weep yes Good. it's been Good. awesome like in like not that we like to make people cry but just because they resonate with it so heavily that um you know like uh, people all the time we get comments in and sometimes dennis can't see him so i like to send them to him but like people will always be telling us like this is the grandfather we wish we had this is the person we all want to talk to and i said that's just dennis just 
call him directly. That's him. Like, he's writing himself in this book. Well, partially. partially. <laughs> a little bit of self-insert there. Just That's a little great. bit. I, I could see that you could technically talk someone to death, Dennis. <laughs> so He's that way too, so don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. A part of the character is derived, obviously, from the author brain. So he has my mind and my little mischievous values of how to have fun. But the heart and the character comes from my late grandfather, who has unfortunately passed. But that man had character and willpower. He looked at something and go went, I'm doing that. And everyone else looked at him and was like, don't, 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 you really shouldn't. And he was already going. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the hour up or I'm done. We're going home. How, <laughs> how did you, how, how? And he just gives it to you and go, we're going. I'm like, <laughs> and it was great. Sure. Just this, this unstoppable force who did everything in his power to make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, so do you, guys, do you have some questions that you'd like to, us to answer for you, by the way? Well, um, since this is not just about ACT, but also letting you guys showcase your work a little bit, because I want this to bring more attention to you, because it's worth reading. Um, first, I'll, I'll make a statement. I noticed that uh, cultivation style fiction um, is focused on solving problems and progression. progression. Yes. Very much so. So what attracted, and this goes to either of you, you can both answer that question. I still love that cup. Um, <laughs> Matt, Dennis has this massive bucket size cup for those who are just listening. I'm not seeing his proper cups. coffee cup size. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, so the question is, uh, what attracted um, either of you towards a style of fiction that was strictly focused on problem solving versus uh, a style of fiction that's a little bit more escape and follows your standard story narrative. Um, well, I probably, if, if it's okay, I might start that one. Um, so for myself, it was, it, it was the fact that it is the standard to just with, with fantasy, you just start and you are already as amazing as you are ever going to be. It's, it's the Superman issue. Um, Superman is as amazing as he possibly can be already. And because of that, he is entirely reliant on other people, other people's suffering, I should say, to have, um, anything that matters right like if if you watch a a superman movie lois lane gets captured and he Mm -hmm. has and the only thing that can really hurt superman is the moral quandary he finds himself in you know they say it's kryptonite but no it's it's is he going to be sad or not um and (laughs) and so with that like how do you write how do you write a story how do you write 15 books more and, and have your characters, have, have them still matter to the story instead of just being someone who is able to do anything, solve any problem. And so for me, it, it was, um, you have to have, you know, resources that are scarce. So you have to fight for these things. You have to 
just like in the real world, you have to learn new skills, you have to uh, better yourself and you have to really work for that. And, and I, I find that for me, what I, what I always try to go for when I'm writing is um, reaching universality in what I am putting out there. So I, I try to look at something and say, is this something everyone has done in their whole life? Like everyone has done in their life shadow puppets, you know, like people like biting with their hands, you know, like little animals, stuff like that. I have a whole book devoted to a chiropractor who can turn his head hands into T-Rex heads. Right. And yeah. And, and it's great because that's a, this practically universal is people will, you know, pop out and be like, you know, that that was something I did when I was a kid. It's so funny to, to read that and see that. And what is more universal than struggle? What is more universal than trying to better yourself in your life? Um, and so really that's what I go for when I'm writing. Okay. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dennis? Could you repeat the initial question? I guess um, Dakota Stelsi Tones. You're okay. (laughs) Um, the question was what, what attracted you towards, um, I guess for you, it would be initially reading and then writing in a style of, um, fiction that is focused predominantly on problem solving. So while it might be the case that problem solving is a factor, it was so small in my bucket of things I was paying attention to that until you just mentioned it, problem solving wasn't in my purview. What mainly happened is I got the Coda series in my hands. And as a philosopher, you are made to look at not what is the right answer, but what is the right question. And frequently what happens when I run games or when when I do stuff for tabletop with friends is I run and I make the world. So I got very used to pulling worlds in and out, universal rules, laws of magic, how you bend them, character interactions, how people talk. And there were a few things weird. So I pulled his universe apart and I went this, this, and this. I can fix this. We can make this better. We can do with that. We can do without this part. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, like time loops. Please. (laughs) Literally meant to be something that can never be replicated. (laughs) That is the whole point of it. (laughs) I spent three books fixing that, but it's good now. Wonderful. All is. I, I personally enjoyed that particular uh, aspect, and I'm, we'll try not to spoil it further. <laughs> it's the beginning of book three where I go, it's fixed! It's done! That's <laughs> great. But per your question, no. Uh, problem solving didn't come into account. I looked at the series and went, I can have a person live in this world, and I can sit back and look at them and just see them go through it. And I don't so much write the story as I recount what they do. So in order for this person with this mind in these circumstances and these desires to move forwards, they do as they want. These are people in a world. So while problems might be solved, it is more of a how do you go about it and what do they learn in the process? Okay. Awesome. Uh, I love both answers because both answers give a lot of uh, a view of that. Um, follow-up question, less about um, 
writing process and more about the actual writing. How many more books in the series? So you many. anticipate so many, <laughs> so many. <laughs> in the Artorian's archives. I have That's... two answers. But Dakota, go first. Oh no, you go ahead. All right. So currently, the plan is fifteen. Once I have fifteen, all of the notes I have and my binder of stuff of things I need to address is addressed. After that, I will lace my fingers, look at Completionist Chronicles, look at the Discord where everyone is talking and go, all right, guys, now that we're at this point, what still doesn't make sense? What more do you need to know? And someone will go, this. This thing. And I will go, that will take me two books. Okay. All right. It's 17 now, guys. It's 17. And it will just keep going. Yes. But by the so, way, just so oh, you know, I, 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 uh, I predicted the connection between completionist and, and it was intended to be pretty obvious. So I'm, I'm glad okay. you got it pretty easily. All right. <laughs> I was just like, holy cow. Like, I think these are connected. <laughs> Sorry. <Yes>. Continue. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, so uh, part of the reason why it's so easy to fill in the gaps and, and to run with the story and do more is that I intentionally write certain things to be vague. Right. So I use I use what's called a hard magic system in my books. Right. So um, you can see the rules. You know the rules. They are there. And when you see something, I have to follow it. Right. Or at least in the other one, the Completionist Chronicles. Um, and so when you see a rule, I had to follow it or else I made an error. Right. Um, and by doing that, it allows a lot to happen in the background because we're focused in on one character. Right. And we're able, because the two worlds are connected, we're able to um, use a lot of what's going on in this book to explain what happens in a different book and vice versa. Um, and uh, Dennis is working really hard to be the official bridge of all contents between those worlds. And the only issue with that is that I put like a million plus years in between them. Yeah. So he has, he has, a, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that he can make that becomes lore for, for the series because it just makes sense when it's done properly like that. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'll pause. <laughs> so um, follow up question to that then is um, if somebody were, who's listening to this podcast now were to say, Ooh, this sounds interesting. Where should I start? Um I would say start with Arturian Archives just because that's that that hits the heartstrings mm -hmm. beautifully and demonstrates all the things that I love most about the series. Mm -hmm. But another side of me would say no, start with the Divine Dungeon series and then Arturian's archives. Um, the 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 side of me that loves the story that's being presented. How would you, the authors, recommend starting for somebody who wants to listen? or read? I would say it really depends on you. What what do you want out of the reading? Do you want a fun fantasy story? Start with Divine Dungeon. Do you want a more modern magical story? Then Divine uh, Completionist Chronicles. Or do you want something that is full of like 
real meat, like real life meaning that you can walk away and use in, in real life, start with Artorian's archives. Um, so my, my series, the things that I write without Dennis are much more escapism, right? Mm -hmm. They're much more designed for fun. They're much more designed to keep you engaged and a part of the story and, and bring you in closer and, and make you read more of the, of my worlds. Right. And with Dennis, uh, like with the Artorian's archives, it's designed to showcase what could be possible if you could just, if you could really believe in what you do and believe in the people around you. And it's, it has a completely different flavor um, than, than just my purely written stuff, because uh, we, we talked a little bit before the show started. And I mentioned that, that Dennis has a, a wonderful way of just reaching into someone and um, finding the, the, the emotions that resonate. And, and he's really great at, at putting that into, into the books and, and making it resonate, like really just hitting it right on the head. And it, it can, it, it feels a very good to read it, even though it's a fairly fast paced action series um, fairly fast paced. Um, <laughs> um, it, it really just, it makes you think the whole time. And it's, it's a very, I, I guess it, it leaves you feeling full. Like you read a book and you're like, woof, I need to digest this reading material and continue on. Whereas mine is, um, much more like, this is good. I'm ready for the next meal. This is great. I'm ready for the next meal. So, um, don't, really don't just undersell yourself. Cause I really enjoy your writing as well, Dakota. And, well, thank and, you. and that's what brought me into Arturian archives. Cause when I mm -hmm. saw Arturian archives, my, as Terry Pratchett would say, um, I had my first thoughts and then my second thoughts and then my third thoughts, my third, first thoughts were, uh, not another damn spit off <laughs> my, um, Oh, okay. Sorry. I guess we got a free gift of continuing to record. That's fun. Um, <laughs> um, my second thoughts were, oh, this could be interesting. And my third thoughts were, why are you complaining about having more fun stuff to read, dude? <laughs> so, oh, no, I have a cake. Oh, look, another delicious cake. Oh, no, I have two delicious cakes. And in this particular <laughs> case, it turns out that that cake turned into a delicious oatmeal cookie filled with wonderful hearty healthy nuts and raisins i love nuts and raisins for those people who don't like it mm -hmm. replace it with your own version <laughs> but <laughs> it's like it's not just sweet it's filling mm -hmm. and um i think the same thing goes for um the completionist chronicles um one of the as well as the uh, divine dungeon series because every character is growing it's just that arturian archives is growing in a way that really caught my attention um, and that's something else that I wanted to briefly mention up. I love how you guys are okay with using consequences. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a pet peeve of mine when it comes to writing. And since you guys are apparently, uh, tabletop nerds like me, um, there has to be consequences in the story. Otherwise it feels yes. fake. Yes. People it, fail. It, people fail. That, that's an absolute truth. That's important. Mm -hmm. And it's important to, to show that not only can you fail and not only is it okay to fail, but you can grow from it and, and do amazing things because of that failure. And 
things can be hard. Things can be very difficult, but you can, you can also get right back up and go at it in a new way. If, if you, if you can take that experience and grow from it. And, and that's probably the hardest thing for most people is taking that and, and, and using it to fuel themselves. Um, but if you can do that, you can, you can do amazing things, amazing things. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're close to end of, of wrap up. I have one last question, but before I ask you this question, I'll have one last question that comes before that question. <laughs> what sort of things would you guys like to share with our listeners? Um, any last closing thoughts or, or little blurbs about what you're working on or, or those sorts of things? Go to first. No, you please. Very well. I will, I will tag on to the last thought. If you fall down and you can't get up, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take your time. You're generally never alone. And if you are, you might not be as alone as you think. Someone will be there. Reach out. You never know who is going to be there to suddenly pick you up. Never alone. Beautiful. That's true. Um, and I mean, man, I I can't quite stroke those emotions like Dennis can. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's it's very true. Um, you know, especially in times like now, where where things are especially difficult, um, where where things are just everyone everyone is 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 trapped in some way you know they're they're at home more they're away from friends they're not able to go and do the things that they they normally have done in their life and it can be hard and and small things become magnified because you are very close to them right and um you know find a way to center yourself and find a way to um you know uh love what you are doing and, and where you are, because someday you may look back and say, man, that was a great time. You know, it might not seem like it, but who knows? Um, on that note, we also have great books. So <laughs> come and come and check those out. Uh, <laughs> so if you need, if you need something to do, if you're bored at home, you know, I'm just saying, uh, Mountaindale press is the place to go. Um, and, uh, you can look for Dakota Kraut and Dennis Vanderkirken. Um, and we have quite a few books and we're going to continue piling more and more and more on until we drown people in ink. (laughs) (laughs) Bibliomancer style. Yes. Yes. Very similar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually one of their books. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm excited for the next installment of that. We're working on it. (laughs) Cool. Um, and that comes to my last question. Um, are you both full-time authors? Yes beautiful mm-hmm. that is fantastic um okay so to go with that folks um if you want to read or listen um you can find their books on amazon is that right yes both digital and print and audio uh, and audio mm-hmm. yeah audible um i'm an audible addict it's it's uh i should really own amazon stock they they get way <laughs> too much of my money <laughs> <laughs> we're we're up to quite the library <laughs> quite the library <laughs> awesome okay well thank you so much for joining us and um folks please look up uh dakota kraut and dennis vandekirken um, and their work uh we spoke specifically about arturian archives the divine dungeon series and the completionist chronicles today 
So um, thank you again for joining us, and I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thanks so much, Jens. Absolutely.